Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Jean Paul Gristal as he highlights the latest for seismic interpretation from the special section in July's The Leading Edge. In this episode, Jean Paul discusses the interpreter's role in the workflow, why oil is first found in the mind of the geologist, how to take full advantage of the latest technology, and the best way to communicate to the decision makers. This episode is brought to you by CGG. What has CGG learned in the 90 years since its founding? That understanding the subsurface can be tough. Impactful insight can only be achieved with the right knowledge, experience, and technology to match the complexity of your challenges. CGG's unique geoscience offerings provide a competitive advantage giving you greater certainty when creating geological models and accessing subsurface risk. With CGG, see things differently. To find the links for all the articles discussed, visit seg.org slash podcast. Now for our conversation. Well, we are talking today about July's The Leading Edge, the special section, which you wrote the intro for, as well as wrote a paper in the, the special section. And... You know, when I think of the seismic data workflow, the interpreters seem sort of like the celebrity or the most public face of the workflow. How would you describe the interpreter's role in the workflow? Yeah, so the interpreter is a very important part. I don't think he sees himself as a celebrity. They're quite modest in general, but... After a lot of work from the acquisition crew, from the processors, from the seismic analysts, you get to a final volume, but then it's the real hard job for the interpreter to to start making sense of the data and to make a comprehensive story of the data that can be used. And that's that's really where yeah, where the value is, where the importance of the data comes out, is is what does this data show? What can we do with the data? How can it be used and and what's the value of it? Yeah, you mentioned there, there's there's a lot of steps that come before the interpretation, and there have been a lot of advancements within those steps that come before the interpreter starts looking at the data. With the advancements throughout this workflow, what should be expected of the modern interpreter to take full advantage of these improvements? Yeah, so I, I always say the imaging comes first. So getting the, the right acquisition and the right processing in mind to get get the right imaging but then uh, once the imaging gets better and then you finally can start getting coherent structures then then you start looking at the amplitudes and and how they come together and then hopefully at the end of that then even changes in the amplitude by what you see in time lapse can be uh, observed in that data so there's a very strong link between the 3d imaging and the final 40 product you know, you know, in on top of full waveform inversion, machine learning has been a hot topic on this podcast, and and machine learning is impacting many fields and industries across a wide spectrum right now. Do you see advantages still, though, for the interpreter to manually pick parallel horizon levels or locate an obvious fault plane instead of going the automated route? There's definitely still value in it. And yeah, if you look at the uh, the special section, you'll notice that most of the current development, the current topics are around machine learning with five of the seven articles talking about that. 
And that's really where, where the advancements are. And, and hopefully that workflow can take over a big part of the, 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 the more tedious work maybe of the interpreter, the stuff that takes him a long time, but that not really where his skills are shown. But because really where we need the interpreter and, and where it still helps to pick a fault or pick an interpreter, pick an horizon, is in, in getting a feel of the data and getting a feel of the data quality and where are the issues. If you build a trap story, where is, this, is the problem in that trap? And by doing that by hand, the interpreter really gets a feel of the data and a better understanding of where those problems and where those uncertainties might sit. You know, looking specifically at your paper, it, you had a, a pretty unique opportunity to track four ocean bottom node surveys acquired over a period of 10 years. What were a few of the biggest changes you noticed from the first to the last survey, and how did that impact your your own interpretation? Right. So the, I've been able, by looking at the data for the last 10 years on Atlantis, see a big change. The first node survey was acquired with the very first set of nodes. And at that point, we really had a limited amount of nodes, and we're quite limited in the amount of offsets and, and data we could acquire with that. Through time, the, the amount of nodes is really not a, a limitation anymore. So we have a lot more nodes now, and we can deploy them much faster at a much lower cost. So that also allows us to, to, to make those acquisitions much, much bigger. On the processing side, I would say the big breakthrough is the, the full waveform inversion, the FWI. Once we got that to work, and that was really a step on top of that, that large-scale acquisition that we were able to do, then we got the FWI to work, and that made a breakthrough in the imaging, and also then not only in the 3D imaging, but in the end in the 4D imaging as well. Then finally, the, the one piece that has really made me proud that we got to work in the last survey that I've been working on for the last 10 years is the, uh, the 4D assisted history match. So that's where you automatically take the data and let the inversion figure out the best reservoir model to, to, to match that data in an automated way instead of doing this with a, a manual way. And that's that's been a long time in the making. We finally have that working right now. Mm. Well, that that's exciting there. And, you know, as not only publishing a paper in this special section, but being familiar with all of them, you're, you're sort of in an interesting position, especially as you mentioned, a lot of them are talking about new technology. What kind of skills and mindset of the interpreter uh, do you you believe haven't changed though with these advances in technology? Yeah, so I put a, f- a famous quote in the introduction when I, we were writing the introduction together with Petter was that the oil was first found in the mind of the geologist. So finding a new type of oil, finding a new exploration concept, that oil was first found in a in the mind of a geologist and he has to think of that concept and then he starts testing it with the data and see if that works but yeah coming up with that new kind of concept that's never going to change that that needs to come from a geologist who who thinks about these ideas you know this is a, a very important topic in you know the life of a geophysicist and interpreter how do you see this special section helping the modern interpreter in their day-to-day work so there's a couple of papers that show more case studies that could be great examples to kind of look at, compare it to your data and see where there's analogs or where there's differences and maybe what, what those papers have done and see if that applies on your field. 
And then, of course, there's a lot of papers, like we said, about machine learning. And those are new techniques, new concepts. And the interpreter can take a look at those and see if those would apply to his field and then hopefully take away a lot of the, the, the work on that side so we can focus really on the real issues of the data. Do, do you see? Do you feel like in, in today's interpretation that a, a skill set of, of some level with machine learning is required? Yeah, I think so. That that you really need to stay up with the tools of the the trades, and one of those tools that's strongly coming out right now is the machine learning. So the interpreter needs to to have a view of how those techniques work and see how and he can apply them in his or her field to get a better interpretation in the end. Yeah, speaking of better interpretation, you know the the. At the end of the day, you're you're communicating to you know the final business maker, business decision makers, as the interpreter are, are contributing to that. You know, how do you see these upgrades and advancing these advances in technology influencing how interpreters communicate with the final business decision makers? So hopefully, the the machine learning will allow the interpreters really to to focus more on the the problem areas on where the uncertainties live where the real problems are and that's really also where the the, the business makers are interested in in what's the risk what's the uncertainty where can this break down are there any alternative models that could explain this data as well and that's an area where where hopefully the interpreter has more time now to to work on those to focus on those topics you know what? You know, for looking at you, kind of specifically, what new technologies or future advances are you most excited about that that you think is going to improve interpretation? So, so one area where I've seen some flavors now, and and that could really kick off in the future, is using the FWI instead of just building a velocity model, also using that to make the reflectivity volumes. And and when we worked initially with FWI 10 years ago, Laurent already indicated that that could be an area where you you really, FWI start delivering the product that you're actually going to interpret on. And we've seen some hints for that now, that those volumes are actually better than the, the, the final imaged areas. Um, there's still a lot of things to gain there with frequency content and, and getting some confidence in the amplitudes. But I think that's a very exciting area that hopefully we'll see more of in the future. And just kind of lastly here, for a new interpreter kind of up and coming, what, what is one piece of advice you would, you would offer for that person to succeed as an interpreter today? The one piece of advice I definitely want to give them is, is make sure they talk to the experienced people, make sure they pick their brain and see what they learned in the past. Because I've seen a lot of lessons learned coming by that I thought we'd learned already, but we keep on relearning them. So making sure that the, the knowledge get, gets transferred from the, uh, from the older generation to the new generation, that's important. So pick a mentor, make sure you, you pick his brain and get a lot of experience transferred that way. And hopefully they'll help you in your career. And maybe looking at the papers in this special section will give you an idea of maybe a, a mentor to reach out if you don't have any idea. So I thank you for that advice there. And, and thank you for your work on the special section. I'm sure seismic interpretation is always a, a major hot issue. So I'm sure people are going to be excited to read read the issues. And so thanks for, for working on it. Yes. And of course, we want to thank my co-associate uh, editor, Heather Bettle, as well for her work 
help just maybe more than I did in this section. So thanks for your help. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. To receive the latest episodes first, follow Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bakamjan, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.